now it is time for the absolute bubbliest podcast in the world, Beer Bubble! Hi guys and welcome back to Beer Bubbles. I'm here and I've got a guest today all the way from uh, Belgium from Brasserie de Brabander. Yes. And I'm sitting here Very with good pronunciation. Emmanuel, let me try this. Geskier. <laughs> Very good. It's okay. Perfect. Yes, Geskier. Yes. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> um, you the export manager. Uh, yeah, that's correct. And tell us a bit about the brewery, your philosophy and what the brewery is all about. Okay, so We are a family-owned brewery. Uh, we started in 1894. So uh, this year we are actually celebrating our 130th anniversary in September. And uh, so the family is now, is now managed by the fifth-generation owners, always been father to son, even though that's not a rule. It's just always been like that. It might even be a, a, a woman doing the sixth, uh, being the sixth generation because... Albert's, uh, the, Albert, the current owner, has a, a daughter, and if she's qualified and she wants to do it, uh, then we might have a woman CEO, which would be great. We are a, a peculiar brewery in the sense that instead of just focusing on maybe one or two styles that we do very well, we, are, we have a very br uh, broad spectrum of beers, ranging from unpasteurized pilsners to a very good wheat beer, then the traditional Belgian blonde double triple. And then we go a little bit experimental because we have a very nice, if you're ever in Belgium, a very nice footer room where we age uh, a beer for two years on large oak footers, as we call them, that either we, we bottle or keg, or we use it as a blending beer to make other beer styles more complex. And then... We also have uh, beers on nitrogen, so we don't stick to the traditional Belgian beers, but we also want to be innovative in order to be able to cater to, to other markets where, for example, nitro beers are um, being requested. I really found it f uh, fun because when I checked into your homepage, mm -hmm. uh, when, you, when you look at the more traditional Belgian breweries, yeah, you, yeah. you tend to, they, they kind of focus on, are we doing... Just cloister style or, or yeah, abbey yeah. style. Abbey, or we yeah, do yeah. only sours. But yeah. when you look at your page, you, you tend to go a bit crazy sometimes. Or, yeah, or crazy, well but, but you are more diverse and you, you look more... Indeed. Uh, ...curious. Mm -hmm. is, that, is that so, that you, you are interested in trying new stuff? Of course, of course. I think... Um, Uh, for me, of course, it's a it's a it's a blessing to be able to sell that many styles. And honestly, if if we weren't any good at it, we wouldn't be we'd be doing at it. But it, our brewers are technically uh, world's best, and um, also they don't do anything just for the gimmick of it. If it if it is of added value for a particular beer style, we'll try to implement it. Like that nitro beer that we have, we found out that. Nitrogen has a very soothing effect on big beers, so we made a quad on the, with that nitrogen, and that's that that's worked out beautifully. But yeah, we are traditional in a sense, but we are not in, not afraid to innovate, and we should not because the world, the beer world, is constantly evolving, and we cater, we sell to 60 countries, and there is not a single country that is 
the same as the as the no, next no, no. one. So mm. we have to have beers for for every kind of market. Customers in different countries prefer different styles of beers. Absolutely. But when you when you say you got like really good brewers, I just checked in and said you you uh, checked your like credentials here. It's like <laughs> World Beer Awards. Uh, Lots of uh, different medals for mm-hmm. best sour wild ale, yeah, uh, best flavored fruit and vegetable about uh, ale, blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. World Beer Challenge of Portugal, twenty twenty one. You had six different uh, medals. Yeah, I think it was three golds, three silvers, or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, and it's mostly always the same beers that come back. It's mostly it's it's the the oak aged. Uh, two-year oak-aged uh, Petrus H. Pale, which is considered one of the best sours in the world. Uh, it was once launched by the famous Michael Jackson, the, the beer writer, not mm-hmm. the singer-songwriter. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the uh, one that we is relevant know. for us in the yes, beer business. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and he, he actually launched it, and it's, it's, it's our holy grail, and it's one of our most important beers we have because it's, it's our, it functions as a blending beer to make other beer styles more complex. And by doing so... We win also uh, medals with, for example, Petrus Red, which is considered one of the best strong fruit beers in the world. And it's because of the addition of Petrus H. Pale in that beer that it becomes so complex and why it wins so many uh, medals. But in the elevator down here, you said you were a Pilsner guy. I am a Pilsner guy. And you have a really nice Pilsner. We're not going to try today, but... but, uh, you have a really good Pilsner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we also make it the way it should be made because we don't want to compete on a... You know, you know in, in Belgium, we have one big problem. We have to compete with the biggest brewery in the world, AB InBev. Yeah. And uh, in essence, they are they are, all, they are a commodity, commodity brewery. So they make Pilsners and, 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 and reasonably priced product, let's put it that way. Well, it's, it's macro-produced, fastly-produced yeah. lagers that so sell... Yeah. Quick and big Indeed. all over the world. So, uh, but every Belgian brewery, almost every Belgian brewery has a Pilsner. And you also have to understand that a lot of breweries in Belgium own their own pubs. Like we have, we still have until today about 250 locations that we own. And then uh, we put somebody in there to run the pub. So we have to have our own Pilsner. But you can, you can do it two ways. Either you, you make the most inexpensive product and make sure that it sells. Or you go the other way around because you don't want to compete with all the, the price breakers. So what we did with our Pilsner, we, we stuck to the traditional method and we make it. And now we're going into a little bit of the beer geek scene. No but problem. <laughs> yeah, no, no high gravity brewing, hmm, which is very yep. important. So all the ingredients are in touch with the, with the base water. It's not diluted. We love a, a good Czech style pils, So we only use sass hops, uh, aroma hops, no bitter hops. Mm. Only 100% barley malt, so no rice or corn to, to, okay, take, yep. to take the price down. And uh, we do an eight days fermentation and then a 30 days ice-cold lagering, yeah. like the Germans Proper do. Proper lager. Uh, uh, mm. Kalt und langsam, yeah. the Germans, <laughs> they, they say. So we, we cool it down to minus one, which nowadays is very expensive because yeah. of the energy <laughs> prices. But um, then we get a very good stability on the, on the beer. And you get uh, natural clearness to the beer as well. Absolutely. So you, you cool crash it, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't. Yeah. Uh, do you serve it filtered or unfiltered? Uh, normally, it's it's unf- it's uh, filtered. Huh? Mm-hmm. We can filter it out in a very natural way because after thirty days, all the leftover proteins they they come down because they're colder than than the the, the actual liquid. Yep. Then we can extract it in a very natural way. And because of that, we have a spotlessly hygienic product that we don't have to pasteurize, and we choose not no. to. So it's not pasteurized. Uh, last year we did an unfiltered version, just as a as a gimmick and and a one-off. 
sold very well. Maybe we'll do it again, but um, but it, uh, did it become hazy as well, or is does the coal crash actually bring clarity clarity to, to well, the beer anyhow? Between but you between you and I and uh, and all the people listening, the the only problem, and I'm I'm talking a bit. Uh, the, well, I can say this. But the only thing that we didn't foresee is that after 30 days, uh, there's no haze in the beer. Yeah, so <laughs> there was. You could see some haziness, but not like you, you know that there's a type of uh, haziness that you can bring back into the beers with yeah. uh, some kind of. I think it's a beer hazy. I don't know what it's called actually, but you can put something in to make it hazy again. Yeah. And I think next time we're going to have to do that in order to <laughs> see the difference because if you lager for 30 days. There's already such a clear product that you could see some some haziness, but the difference commercially it wasn't very good because you couldn't really see the difference. It's more of a you of of haziness than a haziness yeah. in itself. Taste wise, it it was more bitter. That was nice, but uh, visually you couldn't tell the difference very well. That's but anyway, that's, that's what a, you a see side in, story. in really good German craft brewed lagers yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. When they lager it long enough. Even though it says unfiltered, it actually yeah. is crystal clear. So, yeah. it's so as you can see, we do we do things our way. We don't have any external shareholders, so we don't have to please anybody except the family, and that's just Albert, the owner, and 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 his father, who's still in the business. But uh, nobody else is uh, is in the business. No, no, no nephews, no uncles, no nothing. So it's a clear line. And uh, he's clearly the captain, and we all uh, steer the same uh, ship. And uh, we we brew out of love for for what we do, and not because we want to please somebody. And that's why we choose to to brew the way we we do, uh, by not by cutting corners or uh, making something less expensive because we don't believe in our product. We we it's a little bit a stubborn way of doing things, but I think on the long run it pays off, and um, we have the the luxury of being around since uh, 130 years so i think we have the the right to do the thing the thing we want to do and <laughs> and it's uh, yeah it's just a, a nice way of working and it's a nice job for you uh, how Absolutely. long have you been with uh, Blasted, uh, Blasted um, it's Dramatic? been almost 8 years now that i've been in charge of exports um, and your background is I, I read something about cigars. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, <laughs> I've been in the I've been in the tobacco world uh, as well, not in cigarette, but in a, a very nice product, uh, cigars, which Cortez. are also handmade cigars. Um, I did that for seven years, and then uh, had a had a side in uh, went to the watch industry, but that didn't uh, last very long. And then I uh, I met Albert, and uh, he knew that I had experience in export, and they wanted to grow their export business. And now, yeah, uh, eight years later, I took the brewery from 20 countries to six, about 60 countries. So it means that we have good products to sell worldwide. And uh, it's just a, a matter of uh, going out there and uh, spread the gospel. Yeah, well, the thing is, you can make the best beer in the world if people don't know about it. That's right. Uh, you're not going to sell it anyhow. Yeah, yeah, that's so right. So all parts are equally important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we talked about cleanliness as well in, in, in the brewery when we we're up at the bar mm. and just when we talked about pilsners and you were saying just as one of our mottos in the in the podcast that if you can make a good lager or a good pilsner you're mm. probably a good brewery so yeah it's <laughs> one of the first things that i learned when i was at the brewery that our master brewery said if you ever visit a brewery and you want to know if it's technically a good brewery because we have a, a pilsner background as well you ask them for their lager and if the lager 
doesn't have any off flavors and it's and it's good then you know that you have a that you are visiting a good brewery so that's why n- upon wanting to to try some some swedish beers which i haven't I haven't had the luxury to do so a lot in my life i wanted to try a good swedish lager to see if swedish brewers are capable of making good quality lager and uh, and i've tried uh, some uh, well you try the opgord nice pilsner now it's really yes. clean and absolutely more of a german style dry yeah. pilsner very nice yeah. uh, yeah. and uh, well that and also i i tend to realize that when i go to different breweries and interview brewers i normally look at what they drink mm-hmm and it's in 95% of the cases they drink their own lagers <laughs> if it's good <laughs> so then you know it's a, and especially you know that the brewery is clean yeah yeah absolutely you've got nothing to hide behind in mm-hmm, the lagers mm-hmm, so. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm not going to keep you uh, too long mm-hmm. today because we're going to set up for the tasting and everything yeah yeah but i do have one last question that we put to everyone in the podcast and this is the only hard question you're going to get from me today at least <laughs> okay you are going to die today but you can have one more beer. Any beer in the world ever produced. <laughs> Doesn't even have to be in production anymore. One more beer. What would that beer be? Oh, maybe this is something that a lot of Belgians are going to say. And it's a, it's a hate or love beer because of the, the small bread that it has. But uh, I always have Orval in my in my fridge. And uh, for me, it's just, it's such a simple beer. But maybe simple is not even the, a good word. But it's it's complex in its simplicity. And uh, for me, it's uh, it's also something you cannot copy. Uh, you can try a hundred times; you're never going to be able to do it because of that of, of that particular wild yeast that they use, which is. But those uh, monks only them. do one beer as, as well. That's right, uh, and they've done Stick it. To si- what you know. They've done it for <laughs> six hundred years. So Absolutely, they should know what they're doing. Yeah, for <laughs> me, it's for me, it's uh, Orval uh, yep. in uh, the the complexity in simplicity. Well, thank you very much, Emmanuel, and uh, we're going to have a great night with the tasting. We've got uh, quite a few people coming down here. We're going to try seven beers, I think, today. Yeah. And uh, we'll see if our guests can find their way out of the basement when they're done, because <laughs> they're not the weakest ones in the world. Yeah. Emmanuel, thank you very much for being thank you. a part of thank Beer you. Bubbles. Yeah, Cheers. and thanks, guys, for listening.